Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 217. And we are on the final leg of this road trip as we wrap it up and we head back north towards New York. But this episode is coming to you from Maryland, specifically the eastern shore of Maryland in a town called Chestertown. My guests for today are Tom and Alice Mason. Tom and Alice are dairy farmers. They actually do a lot of things. Tom's also the commissioner of Kent County, where Chestertown is. But I was specifically interested in talking to them about dairy farming and the cheese that they produce. A lot of the milk that they produce goes to Lando Lakes, which you've likely heard of. But then they have an independent operation here where they sell cheese locally. And that's really what Chestertown is all about is local, independent, community-based. There are a lot of farms here. The farmer's market on Saturday is a pretty big deal and it brings people from all the neighboring towns. We were just there this morning and you can get local pork, chicken, all sorts of dairy, bread. It's really fantastic. Really enjoyed doing episodes like this because it's always a reminder to me Outside of New York City, people are living in a different way. So even to hear Tom say that, you know, his um, his four-year-old grandson was, or maybe he said his son, they were at a, a cow auction and he was saying, I want a brown cow, I want a brown cow. At four, I wouldn't even know the, diffin- the, the, the different uh, types of cows. So that's very foreign to me, but not foreign to most people. As we drove from... Pennsylvania to Kentucky to North Carolina, most of this country is rural and most of this country is farms and most of the country is people not living in cities. So it's always interesting to me and I always love to share stories from a diverse range of people. And also cheese happens to be one of the greatest products (laughs) ever created. It's always the thing when I'm in Asia that I miss the most because it's, it's never quite the same. But traveling through, through Europe, through the States, there's cheese produced in parts of Africa. Cheese is amazing. I could eat cheese like an apple, just eat it like a block. And so I was excited to get to talk to them and to learn about the cows and the cheese production I felt like I knew a little bit from our stay in Scottsville a couple weeks ago where we actually saw the cows get milked and it was cool. So I was really fortunate to get to, to meet Tom and Alice and to meet them at their office here and to talk about cheese. So go to the show notes for this episode and you'll find a link to their Facebook and the address for their farm here in Chestertown. If you're ever coming through, I definitely recommend that you check them out and you buy their cheese. There's also a link to my Patreon account in the show notes for this episode as a subscription-based service where you can get some cool kickbacks. If you can't do that, word of mouth always helps. Subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. There will be a number of episodes that are regionally based that are coming out soon for people that I met in Kentucky or in North Carolina but we weren't able to lock down a time because we had to get out of town. So I'll do some of those remotely when I'm back in New York. So expect those to come shortly. 
But for now, enjoy this conversation with Tom and Alice Mason. Cool, cool. Well, um, obviously, thank you. This is a uh, this is cool to get to talk to you, and thank you for giving me a space. Sometimes I, I do these in in basements or on the side of the road, or <laughs> we were uh, we were in the the mountains in Western North Carolina a couple days ago doing this with someone who lives off the grid. So I've had a quite a spectrum of physical location. So it's nice to have a quiet, comfortable place. <laughs> so thank you. Um, we're we're in. Chestertown, which is where my my dad lives and, and retired to, I didn't know much about the Eastern Shore at all or Chestertown before he moved here. Um, so, are, are you both from here originally? No. I am. <laughs> I am. Yeah. So your whole life. Whole life. Wow. I actually, grew up on the farm we live on now. Really. Yeah. When you were actually born in the hospital. Born in, in hospital, Chestertown. Yes. Yeah. Which no longer. Delivers babies, but the hospital's still here. Right. But wow. Okay. Okay. And uh, when did you come here, Tom? I came here in uh, 1971 uh, when I graduated from. Uh, I went to the University of Maryland in agriculture, and I came here as an extension agent, um, which is a it's a position where I worked with 4-H clubs and then the agricultural part of the um, livestock and dairy industry, which was my major uh, in college was dairy. Okay. So, and, and that was, you know, I, I did not grow up on a farm, so. So why'd you pick that route then? Well, my, my grandfather um, milked cows. He milked eight cows uh, by hand. And we're going back into the, I mean, that was, I, he sold it. Well, his cows actually went to my uncles in probably the 60s. But um, my two uncles, my father's brothers, milked cows. And I don't know why, I, ever since I was, you know, little, I mean, I just, ever since I was little, the only thing I ever wanted to do was have cows. Wow. It just, I always kind of said it's a bad gene you're born with. <laughs> I, I, you know. You know, I live in, in New York, which in some ways is transient. Like a lot of people will come for school or a lot of people come to try to make it and, and get priced out of like really high rents and, and they come and go. Um, what has kept both of you here in Chestertown? Well, probably because of the farm and we've uh, always worked on that farm and just keep on working there and growing it a little bigger all the time. and. Mm. Just haven't gone anywhere else. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when I came here in 71, of course, I mean, I didn't know Alice at the time. Um, and then we met and we got married in 70, 1975. And then we actually rented a farm. Um, not That's probably the only time she's lived somewhere besides... <laughs> where okay. she grew up mm. but we rented a farm and farmed there for a couple of years and then in 1977 her father her father milked cows so the facilities were there and in 1977 we we started milking cows on her father's farm mm. and and then he he was um 
he was killed in a farm accident in 1982. So at that time, we had bought a house right near the farm. And at that time, we moved to the farm. And um, I've been milking cows there ever since, 1977. Now, it's changed a lot since then. Um, we, We always milked, I don't know, 80 cows, something like that. And... And then, what was it, 2000, when did Andy graduate? 2004? 2008. Eight, eight. 2008, um, he, when he graduated from college, and this is our youngest son, uh, he went to Cornell, graduated from college in Derry, and came back to the farm, and then he wanted to expand, so we, we built a new barn, new milking parlor, borrowed a lot of money and all that, and we... We had enough cows at that time that we were up to 300, and now we're 650, 700, and we're in the process of building another new barn to wow. house those cows. So, but that's been, you know, he, he's been instrumental in that, which, you know, we wouldn't have done it at our age. We'd have, I don't know that we would have quit milking cows, but uh, we would never have gone to that number. Well, something that feels to me unique about Chestertown is that there seems to really be a focus on community and local and independent. I mean, I'm, when you drive down High Street, which I guess would be like Main Street in a lot of places, you're not seeing, you know, McDonald's and Domino's and just like chain after chain right. after chain. Uh, right. Is that an accurate assessment of what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we do have a McDonald's, um, but it's not in – well. It's in the town, yeah, yeah. but it's not in downtown Chestertown. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chestertown itself is basically a colonial atmosphere and mm. colonial city or town. Um, I mean, you get to that thing of town. What's a town? What's a city? Uh, I don't look at Chestertown as a city. Yeah. You know, it's <clears throat> 5,000 people or a little more. Um, but it, it's more... I mean, tourist is a big thing. Um, Privately owned shops. Yeah, the shops. and uh, But Chestertown has changed a lot. I mean, you know, you back 50 years, and this, the Chestertown of the day was not the Chestertown, was not, is not the Chestertown of 50 years ago. Yeah. As far as the shops, and I mean, there used to be, what, a McCoury's Five and Dime store. Well, you know, there's no... They're more specialty yeah. stores today. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's fine. That's the way things change. Yeah. Um, but Chestertown and, and Kent County as a whole has not been, and, and, and this could be negative or not negative, pretend, pretending on your perspective, where we, we have not really been uh, real open to change. Um, and that can have a good effect, and it can also have a bad effect. Right. In my opinion, that's it's having more of a bad effect today because of business. A lot of the the um, you know the young kids, kids graduate from high school, go to college, and never come back. And what are they coming back for? Right. Um, now we we don't want to have a metropolitan uh, businesses everywhere, but. There's nothing wrong with having some business. 
Yeah, and and I won't ask you to get too political, but I know that there's sort of that dichotomy of folks who are looking to expand a bit, maybe even like fix up the bridge versus no, let's keep it the community that it is right now. And right. it's a tricky thing to navigate, I, I'd bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and it's it's yeah, it gets difficult. Um, so let me talk cheese. Uh, about a week and a half ago, we stayed on a a farm in Scottsville, Kentucky. So now I feel like I'm a pro. Like I'm I'm that uh, <laughs> what are those um, that hotel commercial? I don't even remember what those are. But uh, stayed at a Holiday Inn, right? Now I'm like a, a pro. <laughs> um, so from them, I learned that there are dairy cows and there are meat cows. Now obviously, a female cow is going to be producing milk. But are there certain types of cows that are better for producing dairy versus cows that are used for meat production? Yeah, how, how deep do you want to get? <laughs> Let's get deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's basically there's basically five um, major breeds of dairy cows. Wow. You, got, you have Holsteins, which is your predominant breed, and then you have Jerseys, you have Ayrshires, you have Brown Swiss, Guernseys. and Guernseys. Now there are some other breeds. So there's a milking shorthorn dairy cow, um, but uh, so I'll say six major breeds. Now there are other, you know, there's crossbreds. I mean, there's other animals you can milk. You can milk most anything. Yeah. But your and then with your beef, you would you know you would have Angus, Herefords, uh, Semmental, Red Angus. I mean, there's a whole whole group of, of beef breeds. And I've, I've, and I don't want to slight anybody. I've left some out that would be upset because <laughs> you didn't mention my any cows that are listening out there right now, <laughs> Brongus or you know some other. I mean, because as most all of them have a breed association, okay, where you can you know register your animals and keep ancestry and genealogy and all that type of thing. It, oh. It's very. Uh, um, I mean, it gets pretty intense. And so, to the breeders, it's even more intense. Now, that is, it's not as, there's not as many people, I don't think today that, that like, like registered Holsteins. There's some, there was a time when you had registered Holsteins or great Holsteins, and the registered Holstein people were, you know, that was, you had to have, I mean, why would you want to have a grade, you know? Uh, they both did the same thing, but but they knew who the mother and the father and back ten generations and all that type of thing. But that's probably not as as important today as as it was. I don't know if you want to. Oh, I think to some people it is, but yeah. it might be not to everybody. I mean, to us, there's more commercial herds probably yeah. that aren't as concerned about the registration. I mean, we used to have all Holsteins, and we were registered Holstein breeders. Uh, but then we got some jerseys, and today we're predominantly jerseys, are, Reg- registered jerseys. Are all your cows dairy cows? Yes. yes. Yep. Now you got to remember, a dairy cow produces milk, but there comes a time in a dairy cow's life, if it lives long enough, that it's no longer productive for milk. Right. And then it goes for meat. So a dairy cow is also a meat cow. Okay. But, but you're not raising it for be a meat cow. Right. You're, you're, I mean, things happen to cows. They don't get bred. They may get mastitis. 
They may, you know, injure themselves. And when that happens, you take it to the market and it's sold as what we call a call cow. So as long as the cow is being milked, which is sort of uh, mimicking nursing, it will just keep producing milk? Well, yes and no. You have to get them bred back so they have a calf again. The normal gestation is of a cow, well, let's see, a cow is nine months is a gestation, but you try to you try to breed your cows back so they have a calf every year. Okay. Now, that's very difficult to do. Usually it's 13 months or 14 months, uh, but you get them bred back, and then you turn them dry. You don't milk them for six weeks, eight weeks, and then they have another calf, and they, they have more milk production then. Okay. Their milk production is the highest after they have, have freshened, what we call freshened, and had a calf. And, and the closer you can keep them to a freshening, the more milk you'll get lifetime. Do you have to contact someone who specifically is a breeder with a bull to come in and make sure well, it happens? Well, we, we do artificial insemination. Okay. And, and like on our farm, my son or my daughter-in-law, they, they, do, they, they have frozen semen. And they'll they'll breed that cow to. Um, wow, that's fascinating. To you know, and, and you may have to breed them two times, three times. Hopefully, they'll settle first time, but they don't. It's just not the way it works. Right. Um, and then uh, they'll have another calf, and and then of course you're raising the, the calves, so then then they're the future calves. Right. So it, it's it's just a continuum of. And it's, and it's the same in beef. You know, you'll have a mother cow, say an Angus, and you breed them. And now a lot of those people use natural um, inseminate. You know, they'll run a bull with mm-hmm. the cows. But there is becoming more and more beef herds that are using artificial insemination. Um, and then they'll, you know, the beef cow has a calf and it nurses the calf for maybe, I don't know, six months. And then... The cows gotten bred in that time, and then they take the calves away from the mother cows, and then they're going on to a feedlot or, or someone else to raise them on out, and then that beef cow's having another calf, and the cycle starts over again. Are they milked twice a day? The dairy cows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, twice a day or three times a day. We, 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 milk, uh, we, milk, we milk all of them twice a day. And then we have a couple groups that are milked three times a day. Whoa. And usually a cow that's milked three times a day will give more milk. Now, I would imagine with 80 cows, you're not doing this by hand, right? Like no, just no, pumps. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> with the 80 cows, I mean, we had a, um, let's see, you'd call it a... Um, flat barn? Yeah, flat barn. Where we had eight stalls on the side and they were self-locking stalls. A cow would come in. And you'd clean the cow up, you'd put the milker on, and and then we had, um, for a good part of our time of milking in the flat barn, we had automatic takeoffs, where when the cow was done, the milker would come off itself. And then you'd let the cow go, and you'd bring another one in. You must uh, have a lot of folks working there then. Like, this is a lot well, of work. <laughs> at that time. <laughs> that time, it was just us, pretty yeah, much. Just or maybe us. us and one other person. Yeah. But now, yeah, we have... Uh, now we have a, a double... 
double 12, 12 now. parlor. So yeah. we're milking 24 cows at a time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cows at a time. And we do have more help. Yeah, we definitely have, have, uh, yeah, we have a lot of help compared to, but we don't have as much help. We've always been, I don't know, we don't have as much help as a lot of farms do for our size. Because we, we farm a good bit of ground too. Uh, in our eyes, we do. Now, in some people's eyes, it's not very much, you know, farmland. But, uh, I mean, we used to, I don't know, back when we were milking 80 cows, we probably farmed 250 acres or something. Oh, wow. And And now we're farming 13, 1,400 acres. So, but we have more cows, so we need more feed. I mean, we're essentially grazing, growing crops to feed our cows. Right. And if you have a good year, you'll have something left over that you then sell. So but. I wanted to ask you about that because I've often heard with like beef and other animal products that you're going to consume, the happier the cow is and the better its diet, the better quality the meat's going to be. I would assume that's the same with dairy. So... What is right. your philosophy, or, or, or how do you raise them, and, and, and what are they eating? Yeah. Well, we, we essentially, our, our cows essentially eat, uh, well, let me, let me back up a minute. You essentially have forages, which basically a cow, um, a cow basically lives, I mean, forages are their main diet. I mean, they have four stomachs. They're, they're designed to eat forages, and that could be corn silage, which is a corn plant that you chop the whole plant and make corn silage out of it, or it's some type of grass, or they're grazing. There's, there's a lot of people today, or a fair number of people today, that they, they let their cows graze all the time. Um, we don't do that. We harvest our feed and store it and then bring it to the, take it to the cows. Mm. Uh, but you have your forages, we basically, we use corn silage and triticale, which triticale is a forage that grows in the spring, sort of like a grass. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hybrid between rye and wheat. It used to grow rye all the time, but triticale usually get a little higher yields and, the, and it's, it's more forgiving on if it comes on quality. Uh, you want because you want you want quantity, but you also want quality because it's it's easier to balance the ration, and an animal will do better on. Mm. And then we fortify that ration with uh, we feed roasted soybeans. We take soybeans and we roast them, and then grind them to feed the cows. We feed them uh, corn, shelled corn, which we grind, and and then we have a premix that's a combination of minerals, vitamins. Uh, other protein sources that we what we commercially buy and mix it in that ration. And then we'll buy soybean oil meal, which we mix in the ration. And we mix it all together, what we call a total mix. You have a what we call a mixer wagon. And you dump all the forages in, you dump all your grains in, and you turn the thing it's on. Like a, and it mixes it's like a casserole up. for cows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you run it there in front of your cows, and they eat it. Yeah, it's really interesting because, um, you know, we've cooked at home grass-fed beef. And when you, when you see it in a pan, it almost looks like richer in color and, and vibrant. But, you know, there's people who will sell grass-fed as superior. But then there's people who are like, no, I want 
corn and soy fed more because there's more marbling or fat and that's a better taste to them? That That's the age old. People have different likes. Cow politics. Dislikes. <laughs> I have nothing. You know, if a person wants grass fed beef, that's fine. I have nothing against it. Um, like I say, we're not in the yeah. beef beef business. Right. You know, a call cow, I, I don't want... I don't want a steak out of my call now. <laughs> you know, she might be eight years old by that time. But uh, I I want a piece of meat that's been fed some corn. And I, I just think it makes, and here again, this is a personal preference, makes a better piece of meat. Um, but I'm not going to knock somebody. If, I mean, there's some people that, oh, I'll only buy grass-fed beef. But in one sense, they're all grass-fed. Right. But the ones that some have had some some grain to finish them with, um, it's all a matter of preference. Yeah. I mean, everything in life a lot of times is that way. Yeah. You know, you, why does one person drive a Ford and somebody else a Chevrolet? Right. You know, I like Fords. I like Chevrolets. <laughs> So this is an arbitrary number, but let's say let's say you get four quarts of milk from a cow in a day, right? For you guys, are all four of those quarts going to cheese production? And like from a, like a, a a batch of milk, can you make cheese and also make butter and also get milk? Or well, first, if I only got four quarts, she ain't gonna be around. Too okay, <laughs> <laughs> four quarts would be what. Uh, See, I mean, it's a gallon, right? It's a would gallon. be a gallon of milk, which is eight pounds. She, 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 she won't be there long enough to, <laughs> you know, unless she's about to go dry. I mean, she's unless she's bred and going dry and going to have a calf in two months. I mean, you take a normal cow is, uh, well, eighty pounds, which is what ten gallons, 10 gallons of milk a day. Wow. So. But back to your original question, we we essentially we essentially ship our milk to Land O'Lakes, the co-op, large co-op. But we do take some of our milk and make cheese out of it, Eve's cheese. And we essentially take, um, well, we, we have an Amishman in Pennsylvania that makes the cheese. Ah. We started this in uh, 2001. I mean, we've been making cheese for 20, 20 years, years now. When we started this, um, it was illegal in Maryland to make cheese. Really? Raw milk cheese. Raw, raw milk cheese. Oh, okay. not raw, pasteurized? or no, You can make pasteurized. <laughs> right, right, right. But this is raw milk cheese. Now, I say that. It's really not raw milk cheese. Now it's not. Now it was it's not. then. It was then. Now we pasteurize the milk. Yeah. Which is essentially boiling the milk? Heating it. Heating, heating it. it keeping it at a certain temperature yes. for a little while. Yes. Um, and that's done in the... Cheese making process. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I can say when we started it, it, it was, and and we started it more like John Nunn, our partner. And we were riding to the state fair. One day the kids were showing, and we just came up. Well, what could it, what else could you do with milk instead of just shipping all the land lakes? Uh, well, you can make cheese, I guess. And so then we read this article on. A guy in southeastern Pennsylvania that was making cheese, Israel Kinsinger. So we said, well, why don't we see about taking some milk to him and see if he can make cheese. So we, of course, I don't know, um, 
familiar with the Amish, they don't a little bit. <laughs> they don't have phones. They don't. So you got to kind of go find them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did. We drove up there and then asked, you know, do you know Israel Kinsinger to somebody else? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so. So we found him and wow. he said he yeah he could make cheese for us. So that year or it was in the fall there. Um, we made 700 pounds of cheese. And we said, kind of said to ourselves, well, we didn't know if it would sell or wouldn't sell or anything. And we said, well, we'll make the cheese, and I guess if no one buys it, we'll have a lot of cheese to eat at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But we then we went to the farmer's market here in Chestertown, and, and we sold all that 700 pounds in about two weeks, I think. Wow. So, so then we were stuck, because with raw milk cheese, it has to age for 60 days. So if you make so you make it April the first, you can't sell it till after June first. How come? Well, because that's supposed to kill any impurities that might be there. Okay. I mean that that aging process takes care of any bacteria or anything that might be there. Uh, it's more of a safety thing than anything else. I don't know if they really know there's any bacteria there or not. Right. But it, it's it's always been the standard of the industry. Um, so we made that cheese and and we sold it all. Of course, then we had people. Well, we want more cheese. And some of we don't have any more cheese. We we then went and took more milk to him. But I said, you know, we're going to be two months, and and then we it just kind of grew from that. Um, I mean, today, how, how many pounds of cheese do we sell, Alice? Hmm. I didn't bring that number with me. It's it's probably close to what ten thousand. In what type of time span? Over a year's time. 10,000 pounds of cheese. Roughly. Wow. Um, I mean, we have, today, we, we, mar- we market, most of our cheese is marketed wholesale, um, either through other people taking it to farmer's markets. Uh, like in the summer, there's a lot of wineries that get our cheese. We have a store down in southern Maryland that gets, where they get about, how much do they get every two weeks? Probably a hundred pounds. Probably. Probably. So they're doing more in that. the summer. Yeah, more in the summer. We sell more in the summer than we do other times of the year. Um, Some roadside stands. Roadside stands. We have it in the Acme store here in yeah. in Chestertown. The natural food store carries it. There's a store in Rock Hall that carries it. Um, fresh start. Fresh start. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, it just kind of grew. I mean, at the same time, I mean, we we still farm. We we I don't. And maybe we should maybe we should be uh, out trying to find more outlets and all this and that. But all that takes time. Yeah. Um, we couldn't make our living selling these cheese. Um, I don't know. I think it's important always for people to sort of know how the thing that ended up in front of them got there. Um, especially like I do a lot of these food episodes and in New York, you know, people have a certain attitude. So you'll see people do like food reviews and stuff. And that always kind of makes me upset because if somebody says something bad about a restaurant, it's like, man, for that food to get to you, there were farmers, there were truckers, there were busboys, there were dishwashers. Like there's livelihoods involved in this. Like, 
maybe keep your mouth shut if you didn't like it. <laughs> um, this is a bit different, but I think it's interesting to understand, like, how did this thing go from milk to this slice of cheese that's on my cheeseburger? Unless it's American cheese, because I don't really even understand what that is. But can you talk about the process of the milk to the cheese? Because isn't there, like, a, a life culture or something like that added? Yeah. You want uh... You want me to address that? And I, I can say I've never made any cheese, so some right. of what I know is just from watching. I have been there when, when Israel has made it, not through the whole process, but essentially he puts it in a vat um, and he um, heats, it. heats it, puts a culture in there. Now, and we also make um, uh, varieties of cheese. Like yeah. we have dill, we have uh, horseradish, we have. Uh, um, jalapeno, jalapeno, mm. um, barbecue, uh, obey. I mean, there's several Ooh. different varieties. We have a cheese that we make. Um, we have a winemaker here in the county, uh, Crow Vineyard, that uh, we get wine from them, and we make uh, Barbera cheese. It's Barbera wine, oh. and it's mixed in with the cheese and gives it a different taste and. I mean, everybody has a different, uh, what they like or don't like, um, uh, you know, everybody has, has a different taste when it comes to cheese. But he, he essentially does that, uh, uh, cultures it, and then he'll drain the whey off, and you're left with the, I guess you'd call it the curd. Yeah. And then it's there, and then he, he makes it into 40-pound 40, 40 blocks. Whoa. <laughs> and then he's, he's storing it. And then we'll say, Israel, we need uh, two boxes of, say, Colby cheese. And then he slices it into eight-ounce packages. Um, unless sometimes we, we do sell it in five-pound blocks, and there's restaurants that'll buy a five-pound five pound block. But he, he's, he and then he, he packages and wraps it. He, he um, heat seals it. And then we pick the box up, and then we bring it here, and, these are labels that we put on, depending on what cheese it is, and then we... Weigh it. Weigh it. Box it up. Box it up, and somebody wants two boxes of Colby, well, and we take it to them. And, uh, okay. I am curious about this. So I understand adding dill, I understand adding jalapeno, and then you have a dill, whatever, a dill Colby, or there's like dill Havarti. But how do you, in the process... Like how does a how does a cheese become a Colby. monster versus a Colby versus well, a cheddar versus? Well, we only make Colbys and cheddars. Okay, and that's all he makes. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what he does different to make a Colby uh. versus making a cheddar, except a cheddar is drier. Would that be the word to use, Alice? Mm -hmm. I mean, Probably. It and and cheddar you. Um, Cheddar as it ages. Hey, cheddar you can age. You could have 20-year-old cheddar, and it's... Uh, and that's the sharpness of it? Yeah, that's yeah, the okay. sharpness in it. Now, Colby's, you really want to try to keep them fresher. I mean, you, you've certainly got, you know, a year, maybe even two years with them. But the idea is that they're so... You know, you don't, you don't want to make 10 years' worth of Colby's. Because they just don't taste the same. They start becoming more. They like, get sharper yeah, too. Yeah, they, they but get it's sharper not as, too. And okay. It's, it's defeating your 
your purpose there, I think. But when he's actually making them, I don't know what he does different when it's Colby. I think the enzymes he uses are different. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's probably right. It's probably the enzymes that he... I mean, there's there's a... Uh, I mean, there's a skill and a knack to making cheese. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the reasons, you know, Maryland eventually passed a law where you could make cheese in Maryland, raw milk cheese. And we said, well, do we, we really don't want to do that. We've got a good cheese maker. And then, you know, you'd have to invest in equipment and all this and that. And, and then, I mean, it's like a pretty near full-time job then. And so we decided, no, we're, as long as our uh, Amish cheese makers wanting to keep making cheese, we're going to well, let him keep doing it. We're satisfied with the job he's doing, and uh, we didn't see any reason to change. So, and, and it's, I mean, he's got a lot of business. You can't, uh, there's people that have tried to get in with him to make, you know, to make cheese for them. And he's all, I don't have any more. He, he kind of, I mean, he, 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 he works hard, but he. He's happy where he's at. Happy where he's <laughs> at, I think. I mean, his kids are now old enough that uh, the one son, I believe he cuts all the cheese. Um, of course, you know, the Amish, I mean, they, they start a little younger than the rest of us do when it comes to, yeah. you know, what they do in life. They, but, but, but no, we just didn't feel it was necessary for us to get into actually making the product. I was a big Anthony Bourdain fan, and I remember watching this episode. He was in Italy. And they, they cut this giant circle of cheese. And it was Parmesan. I know that's different. But I remember they were like, we got to eat it right now, right now, because in a way it's dying. And like every <laughs> second that goes by, like it's losing its, its, right. its, its quality. Is there anything to that? And like once you cut it, like you must let it breathe instead of. Well, I don't. I'm not a cheese connoisseur, <laughs> okay. if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. Um, you know, I like Kobe cheese. I don't like cheddar cheese. No. I mean, it's, it's just a personal preference. And I don't like uh, what's some of those other cheeses. Blue cheese. Uh, what's uh, Muncie? Uh, or I, I, uh, somebody else. And, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's what makes us different. Taste, yeah. and, and even some of our, see, there's one, the, uh, the jalapeno. I don't want any jalapeno cheese. Stuff's <laughs> hot. I don't like things hot. So you know, I had one man. Um, he was a good friend of mine. And right after we started, and he says, "I just love jalapeno cheese." And so that's when we were at the farmers market. And we had some samples there, and I, yeah, it's good. And I took a bite, and, and so he was there. He took one, took another, took another. Well. You said this was jalapeno. It's not hot. It's not anything. <laughs> and I'm like, <sighs> so it's all a matter of, yeah, yeah. you know, what your taste is. And um, like I say, I like I like the Kobe. I like the co the plain Kobe and the Kobe dill. You probably have different preferences. I like the cheddar. Yeah, see? And she the Barbera. The and, and it's all what someone likes. What makes it orange when it's orange? Because milk's not orange. 
coloring. Our yeah. cheese is in orange. Ours is white. Yeah. There's a difference. Food dye. Uh, yeah. But there's also a difference. I wonder why. Well, there's also a difference in uh, fat content of the milk. Like if you get a lot of fat in it, the milk, the, the cheese will tend to be darker. Oh, okay. Okay? Now, like I said, we have jerseys. We also have Holsteins. So ours is, we, we have, we've kind of marketed ours as a special blend. Of, at one time, we had all the six major dairy breeds. Now we don't anymore. We, we have five. Um, and we would market, you know, this is a special blend of the six milks from the six major dairy breeds. And, and each of them have their own, like jerseys tend that they're higher in butter fat and higher in protein. Protein will give you a higher yield. The uh, and it, I, I do feel the the higher butter fat gives you a creamier cheese. But I think you can go too far on that to where there's some cheeses, um, art, uh, like artisan cheeses, that they're really yellow. And I don't know. I just don't. It, it doesn't seems have the appeal to me. It seems weird. Now, it could to someone else. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but uh, Guernsey milk tends to be a little darker than, say, even Jersey milk. Um, now, I know these large or some large commercial operations, like a lot of mass-produced anything, they're trying to maximize their yields in the shortest amount of time, and they will use like growth hormone or antibiotics. What is your mindset behind not doing those things? Well, we don't we don't use any growth hormone. Well, basically, they'd be used in the animals. Um, we don't use any growth hormones of our cows, which essentially is, is uh, BST, uh, bovine, strong. Oh, so I, I don't know what that. Uh, you remember what that stands for anymore? But that the industry has gone away from that. Like we can't ship our milk to the Land Lakes if we used BST in our. Oh milk. wow, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there there's no there's no one shipping milk like to Land Lakes and and really all your major major uh, milk co-ops. Now I'm I'm not going to say that. I mean there are private dairies. Mm. Um, like Harrisburg Dairy. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, they may have 30 shepherds or something in their supply in a Pacific market that maybe they don't care. I don't know. Uh, antibiotics, you're not going to ship any milk in the United States with antibiotics in it. Wow. Because every load of milk is tested down to the minute. I mm. mean, um, now, we use antibiotics. Our cow's sick. Right. We're right. going to treat her. I mean, I, I there's people, there's, well, organic, which they don't. But I I can't, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't, I haven't been able to, in my mind, if I have an animal that's sick, not take care of her. Right. Um, but you're not going to ship that milk. You don't, you don't even want to try to ship that milk because they're going to catch you. It's a, every load of milk that leaves that farm, I mean, they pull a sample, Okay. Well, and even when we ship milk for cheese, he pulls a sample and it's tested, and he keeps a record of, you know, if there was any, which there isn't, 
Um, if he if he was to find antibiotics, he, he can't make it into cheese mm-hmm. because he's regulated too. I mean, the Pennsylvania. I mean, he's in Pennsylvania. He has a he has a license to make cheese, and if he violates that license, then he can lose it. So there, he's lost his livelihood. Now you can make say say if someone had antibiotics in their milk, and they're not concerned about it, they can make it into cheese. But you have to put coloring in it, a green dye in it. And then you can use it to eat yourself, or I could give it to my neighbors. I can't sell it, but, and, and, and you know, and in most cases, that's, uh, say, a small producer who, you know, and it can happen. You know, you, you, you milk a treated cow, um, and he doesn't want to throw the milk away, so maybe he only had a couple thousand pounds of milk. So he says, well, you know, we can eat this cheese or we can we can make it into cheese and we'll eat it ourselves because I'm not afraid of it. Mm. I mean, that's, that's a personal choice thing. But if you think you're going to put antibiotics in your milk and then sell it to the public, uh, that's that's not happening today. That's good to hear. I actually I I mean, had no idea. Whether it's cheese or fluid milk or uh, milk that's made into for an ice cream mix. I mean, it's not going to happen. Oh, okay. I mean, that would be uh, that would probably make every headline. And <laughs> you, know, you hear about those things. And I don't know, remember a few years ago when China had that problem with uh, what was it, mela melamine or something. Yeah, it was something where they were. I mean, I mean that was a big thing at the time, and 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 it and it hurt China. Was that in dairy? That, that was in dairy. I think uh-huh. they were making. Had something to do with baby formulas. Well, that's not good. <laughs> right, it wasn't. It wasn't a good thing. Yeah. And they were a while recovering from that. But you never hear of, um, or I haven't heard of anything for years in, in the United States mm-hmm. where they found, um, you know, penicillin in the milk. Or, right. I mean, it's just. I mean, if, and, and that doesn't mean it's mistakes can't be made. But it's caught because the milk's tested, and it's thrown away. There, it's not going to. It's, 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 you know, it's probably one of the most regulated industries that there is. Mm. And 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 I'm not saying that in a. No, no, I understand. I think it's good because we want a good product. I mean, the last thing you want to do is have somebody get a gallon of milk and get sick from it, or or eat some cheese and get sick from it. I mean, that's, uh, you know. Right. Yeah, of course. But this morning, we went over to the radio station, and my dad was doing just like a, like an ad read for the people that he'll be interviewing coming up. And there was a dog there, like this massive dog, which is so sweet, and came up to me and let me pet it. I go back to my dad, since two dogs are so scared of me, won't come near me. And that, <laughs> that variability is fascinating to me. I'm wondering, like, with your cows, are do do cows develop their own personalities like oh, that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want to talk about Eve, or well, maybe you should talk about also, where Eve's the, the name, cow, where the Eve name Eve cow. came from. That that is Eve. That's a real picture of Eve. Oh, Eve okay. Was our daughter's show cow. Yeah. From the time she was, from our daughter was seven. Until she finished four um, H, just about yeah. Eve was her, her baby. That was a cow she took to the fairs, and um, and Eve had quite a personality. Yeah, 
Yeah, she was she was a cow that, uh, um, like I say, she we 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 did a lot of showing when the kids were younger, 4-H and all. And um, if you went as Eve got older, she didn't look as good. You know, we all age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't go to every show. Didn't go to older. every show. And but when you'd back that trailer up to the gate, old Eve, she would wherever she was, she could. And look around. She, yeah, and she was trotting towards the trailer and you say, sorry, girl, you're not going this time. <laughs> and she was also one of those cows that you could, you know, if you walked up to the gate and say there's 80 cows and you didn't see her and you hollered Eve, you'd see a head pop up and then she'd mosey over to you. Aww. I mean, she was just that kind of the personality at the same time i think jerseys have more personality than other breeds of cows oh, now somebody could argue you know everybody has their different their opinions too but having had all of them um if there's one that's getting in trouble or yeah. trying to open a gate or yeah um pushing a door open it's a jersey yeah. oh yeah, that's they, interesting they, they tend to be more um uh, Adventurous, I guess oh, is the word. Nosy. <laughs> yeah. Mischief makers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Huh. They, um, and like I say, we we used to be all Holsteins, but then I bought a Jersey. Um, well, there used to be a dairy cell here in the county, and they used to have uh, well, every 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 once a month. It was on a Wednesday night they'd have a dairy cell. There used to be a lot of dairy farms, and there's not today, but. I went to the sale and I took my oldest son uh, with me, which at the time he was four. And we were just sitting up there and they bring in this jersey and he starts saying, I want a brown cow. Shut up. <laughs> I want a, you know, four year old, he doesn't care how loud he is. Or, so I'm sitting there, well, I bid. I ended up buying the brown cow. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand how unique that sounds to someone from New York that a four-year-old would even know the difference well, between okay. types yeah. of cows. Yeah. So then we bought that one, and then at the time, jerseys were not – you could buy a jersey for next to nothing. Really? People, people for whatever reason, they didn't want jerseys. So I went to cows, and I'd come home with – you know, one time I went down to Virginia, and I came home with like 26 jerseys, and – during the sale, they were it wasn't any hardly anybody there, and people, you know, they were trying to get bids, and they're saying, "Please, can't you buy another one, please?" <laughs> <laughs> the auctioneers were just, you know, I said, "I've got enough," you know, you know, the truck, you know, you, I, you, I would try to buy what would fill a truck, and if you because you got too many, then you have to have two trucks that cost you more money, and so you know, we got to doing buying the jerseys and. And then over time, it, the jerseys just kind of took over. Mm. They they tend to, I don't know, they I don't know why, but they seem like they multiply faster, they breed back easier, and then the jersey of the day is not the jersey of forty years ago. Jerseys used to be thought of as they're high butter fat, high protein, but they don't give any milk. Oh. But that's not the jersey of the day. We we we've got jerseys milking hundred pounds of milk and. Testing four and a half percent butter fat, well, and then testing you know three five in protein, whereas maybe that Holstein will milk one hundred and twenty, but 
and her butter fat usually is you know three five three four proteins lower um it's and, and nothing against holsteins i mean like i say we we still have about 100 holsteins um but the predominantly number we have are jerseys um we, we just and then my my kids well like andy the, the one that's running the dairy today i mean he's he and his wife are they're they favor the jerseys so I imagine when we pass from the scenes there won't be any Holsteins <laughs> since my dad has moved here whenever it's a holiday now he's like well what do you want and it's oh I want stuff from the farms and there's a hog farm he gets a lot of stuff from so we'll just get like a bag full of meat and that's that's how I believe I discovered Eve's because we have it we had it back in Brooklyn I'm like it either came from leaving town and stopping by Acme or dad included it in like one of these holiday packets. Um, and I understand now more of like where, where the milk's going, Land Lakes versus the Eve's cheese part of what you do. But in the future, should I expect more cheese or is there ever, do you ever think like, oh, maybe we'll also do ice cream or yogurt or, or other things with the, with the milk? Well, we, we, we talked, and we, we tried ice cream once, but you, here again, it was a thing of someone, to, you know, you make an ice cream mix, and then you have to have someone take the mix, and, and we were always like, it's going to be our milk. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could get our cheese made, because we, we, <laughs> Israel, our cheesemaker, said this, says, you know, you don't have to bring me milk, I can... I can get milk. I can call Land Lakes. I can call Maryland, Virginia. Any of these co-ops, they'll bring me a load of milk, and I can get it cheaper than what you're able to do what you're doing. And we say no. We want this to be our milk, good or bad. Mm. We we don't want this milk just to be a generic milk. I like that. I mean, this is this is milk from cows on our farm, and that's the way we want it to be. So, you know, the answer, you know, the ice cream, we tried that once. We were taking milk up to, where was that, up near Reading somewhere. Somewhere up there to make the ice cream mix. Ice cream mix. And then there was a guy in Rock Hall that made the ice cream. And it just got so unwieldy, you know, getting it all done. Uh, like I say, you know, I mean, we farmed. You know, at that time we were younger, we farmed. Um, John was... You know, at that time, I think he was a public defender, and then he got the judgeship, so you're limited in your time. Mm. So we just decided, you know, and we had talked about, you know, should we build something and make make cheese ourselves? And we're like, you know, no, it's just, it's just another whole job. And then we're... We're not young chickens anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Unless the next generation yeah. wants to do something, we probably aren't going to do right. too much. The only Maybe thing, it's a few more flavors of cheese or something. Yeah, but yeah flavors of cheese would, you know, we could come up with something there. But I've always, uh, I don't know, I've always had this dream of, um, we own a piece of ground in Wharton that's right in a... Well, it's across from the high school. Uh, it was elementary school, across from the park. And I always said, I think you could make a, if you had a store there and sold ice cream and cheese mm. and milk and all that, you know, 
I think you'd do a tremendous business. And I've always had this dream of you'd have this this building, and behind the building, you would have like a 20-cow stall barn, and then you'd have a processing plant there, and when you milk those cows, the milk would go right into the processing plant, and then you would either bottle the milk or make cheese or make an ice cream mix and sell the product sell right, right there, there in the store. And then your cows, you would have a pasture, we, and there's 40 acres there, we could have a pasture, and the cows would be out in the pasture, and people would, uh, you know, they'd like to see that. And But every time I think of that, I'm thinking, uh, why? I'm 71, why? <laughs> you know, it's not something yeah. at this stage in our lives that, and, and then our kids, I mean, they, they, I mean, they're so busy just running the farm that I don't see them ever doing that, but. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I mean, I don't know. We have four children, um, but the youngest the youngest two were twins, and the boy is the one that's there on the farm. Um, but I don't see, I don't think he, I don't see them opening a store per se, mm. even though I think it would be, and maybe I'd be wrong. Maybe it would end up being a, empty store but I don't think so I think people would you know for ice cream and well you know I appreciate what you're doing first of all I appreciate again the time today this was cool to get to learn from you and to hear your story um, but wherever I go um, I'm always trying to eat shop local support the people there in that community um, you know and so the more people like you doing what you're doing I think the better so uh appreciate you for for your cheese biz and for all the info today so thank you well thank, thank you. you for inviting us of course in yeah. here and uh if any of your your listeners are in king county please stop by or um swing down through Chestertown, and <laughs> maybe uh maybe they'll realize that that looks like it could be a good place to live yeah and and know, i'll put the the link to settle here and you know, even as they retire, I mean, your father, that essentially, is what he did, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and, and I know especially for him, and he's probably listening to this, so hi, Dad. Um, but I, I know that, you know, they're so happy with, like, all of the folks who have come here to retire, who come from all different walks of life and have an interesting story and do something interesting and, and make things. It does right. feel like a really sort of creative atmosphere with the community here, so yeah. they love that. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. And you know we're we're glad to we're glad to see people come here. Yeah, and I well, guess thank I'm you. I'm speaking more as a county commissioner yeah. <laughs> as a farmer because sometimes farming and people don't uh, don't interact real well because there's things that are involved in farming that that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, well, and 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 my soapbox thing for a minute here is that like again I'm from. I'm from New York City where sometimes we forget that the rest of the world is not New York City. And I think everyone at any opportunity, get out and do a road trip yeah. because most of the country 
and what people are doing in the landscape and the varying landscape doesn't look like New York. So go see a farm, go come see the farmer's market and, you know, check out different ways of life. I think it's incredibly valuable yeah. for people. Yeah. Well, I think so often people don't know where their food comes from. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't appear in that store. There, There's a long backstory to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what it is. The backstory that I think is important to know. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank, thank you. Thank you. That is a wrap on episode 217 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thanks so much to Tom and Alice. This was a real treat to get to talk to them. So definitely appreciate the time and for hosting at their office here in Chestertown. Thank you to all of you Voyagers, as always, for tuning in, for sharing the word, and for all the messages that I get. I greatly appreciate it. Lots of stuff coming soon, so please stay tuned. As always, please, please, please take care of each other. Catch you very soon.